On Monday, August 23rd, Jeffrey R. Holland, an apostle of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, spoke to the faculty at Brigham Young University in a speech entitled The Second Half of the Second Century, where Elder Holland expressed love for the university and emphasized the importance of aligning the teachings at BYU and those of the church. He addressed the topic of marriage as a union of a man and a woman, sexual orientation, and avoiding divisiveness instead of being a house divided. His talk stirred up a lot of controversy on social media among many members of our church. I, too, felt many emotions as I first read the talk and then listened to it twice, all while observing many heated discussions online. And while I think much of the controversy online was stirred up by those who took certain lines out of Elder Holland's talk out of context and cut and pasted certain phrases that without the supporting and surrounding context were very different than the intended message, I also wanted to understand better why so many were expressing feelings of hurt, anger, and sadness over this speech. I called my mom wanting her input, and she said she had just finished talking to her friend Melinda, whose experience as a life coach and desire to be all in the church— and mother of two sons who are gay was the kind of perspective we were both seeking. So immediately after talking to my mom, I reached out to Melinda to see if she could squeeze in an interview for my podcast to talk about this sensitive topic, and she graciously agreed. Melinda Welch is a certified life coach, an active member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and a mother of five children. She also has two gay sons, a lesbian sister, many bi, gay, and lesbian cousins, and transgender friends. Melinda describes herself as all-in with her family and the church. She's married to her high school sweetheart, Wayne, who currently serves as a singles ward bishop. And she says their black and white thinking has been replaced with a sea of rainbows since two of their five kids have come out as gay. I'm extremely grateful for the chance I had to talk to Melinda about this topic and for her advice and perspective. Melinda said to me before we started talking, I don't know if I'm going to say what you want me to say. And I told her that's exactly why I wanted her to come on the podcast to offer exactly her thoughts and feelings, whether they were similar or totally different than mine. So although we had some differences in how we feel about or understand some of the complexities of the situation, I deeply respect, admire, and appreciate Melinda and the advice she offered to me in this chat. I hope you feel uplifted and enlightened after listening to this episode and that it's as helpful for you as it was for me. So I have with me today a dear long friend of mine, Melinda Welch, who is a certified life coach and a mother and an advocate in the LGBTQ community and also a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so I'm, first of all, so thrilled that you are here, Melinda, and that you would take the time to talk to me on such short notice. No, thanks, Corinne. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a, it's a good topic, too. Yeah. So the reason why I have you, Melinda, on here today is because I called my mom and wanted to discuss the talk that Jeffrey R. Holland just gave at BYU to all of the faculty called The Second Half of the Second Century. So in this talk, there are a lot of things that are stirring up controversy in within the community that you and I are both part of, um, people who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, people who have attended or are going to attend or maybe have children who are going to attend BYU. And just a lot of people, because Elder Holland talked specifically about 
members of our community, whether that's BYU or in our church, who identify as LGBTQ. Or I know it's right. LGBTQIA+, but right. just for for our, the purpose of our conversation, I think we'll just say LGBTQ. So do you want to explain, because I don't want to say anything wrong and you know how your children identify, do you want to explain why this topic is so um, hits close to home for you? Yes. So I have two gay sons. One, we probably guessed he was going to come out as gay for his whole life. And when he did, he finally come out. It was with a, a suicide attempt. He was going to school down at UVU and it was very dramatic and very sad. And he just knew if he, he could pray the gay away and it never happened for him. And he was very sad. And we handled it as best as we could at the time with what we knew. And we, you know, gave the old line, especially from the LDS church, this is a choice. And we're just going to love him and his choice. And we since through a lot of education and a lot of time spent on our knees in prayer and discussion, we've learned it's not a choice that it just gets to be what Landon gets to be. And we love him. And he's since married to a man who has two children that they come into our family. So they, we have this beautiful couple, same sex married couple, two grandchildren because of that. And then five years after Landon came out, our returned missionary son came out and this one hit us out of the blue. We had no idea, no, you know, stereotypical indications, nothing like that. And it was really, it was really crazy, but we did by then our thoughts and our knowledge around the whole subject was much clearer and the understanding around it. And we just said to true, Hey, we're just going to love you wherever this takes you. And I really feel like the Lord knows all of us. And he knows me and my heart, but he also knows that means he knows my kids' hearts too. He knows their challenges. He knows what they're great at. He knows how loving and kind they are. He knows all of that. And so having these two LGBTQ kids has really put me into this arena, like full-time. We eat this, we sleep this, we drink it. We talk about it a ton. Since both of them came out, they've both since left the LDS church because it was really difficult for them to find a place in the church. and. That hurt my heart, but I totally understood it. And anyone that needs to step away from this church, I just have compassion and grace for that. But you and your husband are still in the church. But I want to stay in the church. I want to stay in. Yeah. So I choose to stay in the church. And so I'm trying to find reasons and get spiritual confirmation of why that's important to me to stay here. Yeah. And I think it's important to note, too, that not everyone that listens to my podcast is a member of our church, but I think this is applicable for a lot of Christians who maybe have these internal struggles with wanting to be super loving and inclusive, but also identifying with whatever doctrine they feel is true and right. So today we're going to kind of talk about this talk and how it affected you and your thoughts and your perspective, which I'm really, really excited to hear. And when I called my mom, she actually didn't tell me anything that you guys talked about. So this is going to be all 100% new to me. She just said simply, Melinda has an incredible perspective. She's very educated in this. And she really, she always has really wise things to say when it comes to these things. And well, your mom's too kind. She's too kind to, but I'm happy to talk about 
my thoughts around this. Okay. So just to also set the stage, I think for anyone who's listening, I would say, and this is going to probably be the one of the only pieces of advice that I'm going to give is to make sure you actually listen to the talk. I first read the talk and I feel like it hit different when I listened to it. And I think that there's so much lost tone and feeling if you just read the words. So I read it once on Monday night and then I've listened to it yesterday and again today. So listening to it and really digesting it that way was different for me. But I would love to hear from you how this, how it affected you and and what your initial reaction was. Right. Well, I was actually really sad just because I always feel like the church takes two steps forward and then one step back. So it feels like a one step back. But then I had to really stop and think, okay, who was the speech for? This is not a general conference talk. This is not a general membership speech. This is for a private institution to their faculty saying, this is what this institution stands for. And if you're a faculty member, you need to be on board. Basically, that's what was said, right? Right. And maybe we should actually, I do have a couple of screenshots that I took of the exact words to just make sure that anyone who doesn't have that context can can align that with what we're talking about. So Elder Holland said, and he said that this is something he said 41 years ago, almost to the day. And he was, he said, I'm going to repeat it again because it still applies. If we are an extension of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, taking a significant amount of sacred tithes and other precious human resources, all of which might well be expended in other worthy causes. Surely our integrity demands that our lives be absolutely consistent with and characteristic of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. And he goes on to explain, well, and he says at a, at a university, he keeps talking about, just like you said, being a university professor. So I'm sorry, I don't want to, I feel bad too. I don't want to like cut you off. I just want to make sure there's like proper context for anyone who maybe no, absolutely. hasn't listened to it or is like, what are they talking about? Right. So you said you were sad first, then you kind of thought about who it was given to. Right. Who's the intended audience? But beyond that, even if you're not just looking at this speech, you're looking at any time something comes out from a church leader, whether the LDS church or, you know, the evangelical church or any church that you disagree with or that that hurts you or that you're saddened by, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? That's really the bigger question here, right? Right, right. Absolutely. So because really this talk or any talk could be the catalyst that says, okay, now I'm done with the church. See you. Bye. Because if you're looking for a reason or something that's going to say, oh, good, I, you know, I'm out of here, then this talk could have been it for you. And I know some people that it was it for them. And I have compassion for that. I have compassion for that. And on the other side of that spectrum, the same talk, those people could have been for that group of people that said, oh, now I don't have to try to understand the LGBTQ community. Now I don't have to, you know, try to be their advocate. I don't have to do that. So they could have gotten that out of this talk. I hope not. (laughs) I fell somewhere in the middle of it all, right? And I know some people did get that because I've seen some tweets, some really, some things on Instagram where people are writing and talking about it, like, you know, that seemed very confrontational to me instead of love everybody, God will figure it out, which is my camp. But I choose to be somewhere in the middle of all that because I love this church and I want to be a part of it. So sometimes I do mental gymnastics around stuff 
And I know people are like, I'm tired of doing the mental gymnastics. I'm tired of trying to, you know, figure this out. But I say, I say we do that about our whole life, not just talks that cause us issues, right? We are always trying to figure things out, who we're going to hang out with and what we're going to believe and what we're going to read and all that stuff. That, that's all figuring things out. And if you want to call it mental gymnastics, you can, but you can also just call it figuring things out. Right. That's so true. Yeah. I want to address too that. See, for me, it's been a little bit different. I feel like the only voices I've heard on social media so far since Monday about this topic have been against the church and against Jeffrey R. Holland and people just, you know, really loudly speaking out against his talk. And I, I guess I'm the kind of person where, and this is even scary for me to say on my own podcast, but I'm a believer. I am like, I, that's always been a part of me. I mean, Melinda, you've known me since I was whatever, nine. (laughs) And I'm that kid who bore my testimony a lot growing up and walked up to the pulpit and bore my testimony and did that all through growing up. And I'm still that person who, despite all of my weaknesses and challenges and things that I do imperfectly, I feel like that is a strength of mine that I'm a believer. But it feels like it's not cool to be a believer. It feels like it's not cool to be to defend the church or to be at all on their side when it comes to these topics. And so I would love for you to speak to that about how do you do both? Because I want to do both because I genuinely, truly love and have relationships with and really care about my friends in the LGBTQ community. Right. And, and, and I feel that from you and I, and I, me as well. I mean, it's not this weird concept that's out there in the world. Like this is my family. Like these are people I hang out with and love and, and want the best for. Right. So like, feels very close to me, but I just, I've just in my life and, and doing my figuring things out, I've just decided who I want to be. And I've decided what, you know, what keeps me in the church? Why do I believe? Why do I stay? And I've really established five things that keep me here. And so when these other things happen, it doesn't rock my boat. It doesn't like, like, it doesn't blow me around. Like, oh, I don't know what I believe. I don't know what I believe. It's just like, no, this is what I believe. And yeah, that's hard stuff. And that makes me really sad. And I'm going to mourn with those who mourn right now. And I'm all in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's not a, if you do this, you can't be in. It's like, no, I can do both. No one can tell me that I can't do both. I've been doing both for 20 years. Right. And the mourn with those who mourn is such an essential piece of our doctrine and who we are. All the way back to Christ saying, this is the actual most important thing is to love one another. Okay, so I would love to go back to what you said, though, about you have five reasons of why you stay. Are you willing to share those? Or if they're too personal, it's okay. No, it's great. It actually, I it, I think this is a really good exercise for people to do in any church you're in, any religion that you're hooked into. What do I believe? Why do I believe? Why do I stay? Why is this important to me? So what keeps me here? And I, I'll talk about being an ally later. But what keeps me here in this restored gospel? is the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon keeps me here. It is true scripture. Joseph Smith did not write this. He did not make this up. This is true scripture. The Book of Mormon keeps me here. I've had way too many instances, like things that that involve the priesthood, priesthood blessings in my life and in my children's life and in my family life, too many experiences with the priesthood 
it keeps me here. It totally grounds me and keeps me here. I actually really love the temple and the covenants that I made there. They're, they are strong for me and they keep me in the gospel. They keep me here. The revolutionary doctrine of a mother in heaven that no other church even talks about, that totally keeps me here. And we have just started talking about her, but it is huge for me. And I love that so very, very much. I love it so very much. And then personal revelation. That's my fifth one. I've just prayed and I've asked many times, hey, am I out of here? Like, am I done? Is this too much? And the answer is no. The answer is you stay there. You be the advocate. You be the ally. You be that person in the congregation that stands up for LGBTQ. And so that keeps me here. It kind of feels like a little mini mission, you know? Yeah. I think it is a mission. I think it is one of your greatest missions in life. So totally. Thanks, Corinne. And if people say, um, you know, that you know, there's no way you can be an ally if you're a member of that church or if you believe in that doctrine or if you pay tithing, I'm like, I disagree. You can interpret and you can define ally how you want to and advocate how you want to. And I get to define it how I want to. I'm in charge of my own thoughts and my own sphere of influence. I'm in charge of that. And nobody can tell me who I get to be in that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I totally really felt the spirit when you were sharing all of those reasons that you stay. And I align with so many of those too, especially I loved that your number one was the Book of Mormon, because that's what gets me out of bed every day too, on my hardest days. And that's like the glue that keeps me together, I feel like is just reading that book every day. And yeah, that's my touch point of the spirit every day saying, yep, I'm here. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to be right next to you, whatever you have to go through today. Also, the doctrine of Heavenly Mother, it's something that I'm a little bit, I love it too, but I'm also kind of, I feel the same way about that as I do about maybe this topic and other topics that I feel like I have to tiptoe around because I don't know enough or that I don't have a perfect knowledge or understanding. No, I do. I hear you. Yeah. I think that although they're completely different topics, but just especially with LGBTQ and the church, our church, I feel like because I don't understand everything that there is to understand, it's kind of like you just be quiet because you don't know, you know, but how, how do we love and show love to our brothers and sisters who are in that community? while still being strong in this faith. Yeah, well, it's all Jesus-centered. They both are Jesus-centered. They're both Christ-centered. Love as Jesus loved. I am not a judge of Israel. I'm not a judge of anybody but myself. I get to judge me, if, and I really don't want to do that anymore either. <laughs> so I just have totally moved to compassion and curiosity for all of God's children. And it really helps me to stay there and not be filled with anger and hate and discord and disapproval and judgment. Like those feelings feel really bad in my body. And me having those feelings, I don't take those out of my body and paste them on anybody else. Like I have to feel all that. That's how it works. It's not like I can take love out of my body and say, now I love you. Here, I'm going to smear my love on you. <laughs> it's not that at all, right? Right. And that's all our feelings are like that. Our feelings are self-generated. So I want to stay in this good, loving Christ-like place. And to do that, I have to have compassion and curiosity for other people and for myself. So I have compassion for Elder Holland. It would be hard to be him. It would be right? really hard to be him. It would be so hard. And say hard things and 
be put on the spot and know that people are, are not going to love it, right? And it'd be so hard to be LGBTQ kid at BYU trying to attend there. It'd be really hard. I have compassion for that. I also have curiosity around that. What would that be like? You know, if I had their life experiences, would I say the same things? Would I do the same things? So just taking, and, and I have compassion for me and my kids and curious about everything that's going on. So the compassion and curiosity are key for me. They keep me in grace for myself, for other people. They keep me in growth, like wanting to, to improve and know more and build on things. And they keep me out of judgment. Because judgment just does not feel good in my body. And it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help others. doesn't help me. Oh, that's so true. So I really work on that. I really, really work on that. Like, who do I want to be? How do I want to show up in this? You know, do I want to be that voice of crazy or the voice of reason? You know, right. Teach me what curiosity in a really genuine way looks like or sounds like. I feel like one of my friends, who this was one of my very first episodes, my dear friend, Nicolette Mason, who identifies as queer, she taught me to ask people, how do you identify? And that was such a key piece of education for me because I no longer feel nervous or uncomfortable asking someone how do you identify? Because I didn't have the words for that before she taught me. But I would love to know from your perspective as a member of the church who wants to stay, but has children who are LGBTQ, how do we show that genuine curiosity without coming off the wrong way? Right. It's all, you know, your Christ-like love. It's all that listening to their story and not trying to fix things. Like we're always thinking we need to fix everything. And this life is not about fixing things. It's about growing things right? It's about moving to a different level of understanding or like when I say curiosity and compassion, that is a beautiful place to live. And then it helps us hear their story and hear their hurt and totally mourn with people that are so sad about this. I get it. I'm sad too, right? And I also have curiosity and compassion for the people in charge. I really do. This divisive, and Satan wins. This is what he wants. He loves that it's divisive. Oh, he is so happy. He's so thrilled. And I don't want him to win. I'm like, no way. You're not going to get me. I'm not going to be divisive about this. I'm not going to choose sides. I don't have to choose sides. People will tell you, you have to choose sides. You do not. There's no rule book. So it's never me against somebody, you know, us against them. I don't want to fall into that mentality. I just want to fall into, we are all figuring this out together. And sometimes we do a really good job at it. And sometimes we don't. And that's just okay. That's how things are. That's just how things are. President Holland gave that quote. In fact, he's my guy, you know, President Elder Holland. He's my guy. I just love him so much. I do too. And in 2013, he gave that talk about human beings are all God has to work with. These imperfect people. And the apostles, yes, they are, they do a ton of good. And yes, they are human beings too. They are not sitting at a council table with an empty chair that God sits in, that Jesus comes and sits in with them every day. That's not how it works. Right. And Jesus doesn't like jump into their mind and and tell them every word, word for word, what to say. And he doesn't because that would take away agency. And we are down here because of agency. That's why we're here. If he was just like in every council meeting, he's just, there's Jesus's chair, sit right down, tell us what to do. We don't need faith for that. We need zero faith if that's how it worked. 
And, and so I go, so I go there and I, and I give people grace around all of that, right? Because we're just figuring things out. Nobody has every single answer. Although we want our prophets and apostles to have all the answers, they really don't. They are asking God and seeking revelation all the time. That's what they're doing. But if he just told them every single thing, we wouldn't need agency. We wouldn't need faith. So that's where I live. That's where I live. And I, and sometimes I think we've done an injustice. Like I really work, I really seek personal revelation around all of this because of my LGBTQ family. And sometimes I think we're doing injustice with that primary song, that follow the prophet primary song. I think the chorus should be follow the prophet, follow the prophet, seek personal revelation and don't go astray. That's what I think it should be. Because if we end up having a question or a doubt, or we're like, oh, I guess I'm not following the prophet on that, then we just leave the church. We're just, I guess I'm done. I said, like, no, you can question. Right, right. I And I don't want anyone to feel that way either. I also, though, just get so sad when I feel like there are a lot of people who, it's like the cool kid trained to hop on and be like, Oh, they, and I know this is not what you were saying, but I feel like some people will say, because an apostle is not a perfect person, maybe he got it wrong. Maybe we don't need to listen to, or the prophet is also not a perfect person. So maybe, maybe this isn't coming from God. And so I feel like I'm a little conflicted with that. You know what I mean? And that's partly because of my personality being the kind of person where I like rules. I like someone to tell me what to do. I like to feel like I understand what the rules are. I can play the game. I can, right. you know what I mean? Just in everything in life, that is where I live in my safe zone of understanding and knowing. So it, it makes me kind of squirm when I feel like people want to go kind of on the far edge of some people call it the cafeteria plan of the church where it's like, you can pick up the things you like and leave the things you don't like. And there are people who I wouldn't feel comfortable saying this to. And I'm sure there are people who will listen to this interview and disagree with me and they won't like it. But this is just honestly what I struggle with as far as understanding that I want to be an open-minded person, but I also feel like my safety is in doing what the Book of Mormon says over and over and over is keep the commandments, you know, and I feel like one of those is in our church when we commit to taking temple covenants and doing these things that it's to sustain and defend our leaders and our prophet and his apostles. So what do you, how do you feel about all of that? And I'm so grateful that I don't feel judged by you. Oh, never, never judged. Just, just curious and compassionate. So there's two, there's two parts of our, our culture, right? Or of our church. There's church. There's like attending sacrament meeting. There's that part of it. And then there's the temple. I want everyone to feel welcome at church. Zero behavior, zero behavior checklists. To go to the temple, there's a checklist, right? There's like a check, not checklist, but checkpoints. Like, do you believe in this? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? That's to the temple. None of that is required or even listed to get you to, into the chapel doors. None of that. Yes. Everyone should be welcomed to church. Everybody. None, none of those checkpoints have to happen. Okay. So to be welcomed to church, then you are. I think cafeteria plan has actually got a negative spin around it because I think that's exactly who all of us are. 
to get into the doors of church, we are picking and choosing some things that we pick up and go, yeah, I like that. I agree with that. I'm going to church. Oh, I don't know if I agree with that. That's okay. You can still come to church. You don't have to agree with everything. You can pick and say, oh, I like this. I like this. I like this. This is keeps me in the church. Then do it. If you think you have to agree with everything to get into the church's doors, no one's going to come to church. <laughs> church is different than temple. I totally agree. Yes, I totally agree. But then I think there are people who are listening to this or people who are maybe in your shoes or have been who say, how do I square with some of my children are eligible for that and some even as good of hearts as they have and as much as they love Jesus and they want to fully participate in the gospel because they're gay, they can't with the temple. How do I square myself with that? Yeah. Because it's all about continuing revelation. We don't have all of the answers. We don't have all of the revelation. We just don't. We know that. We preach that. We teach that in our articles of faith, right? We teach that. We are continuing to be restored. We're continuing to get further light and knowledge. So when we act like we know everything, it's cut and dried and we're just done. If you want to, that can take you out of the church. You really can. But if you can open your heart up to know, this is what is called faith and trust and continuing revelation. Keeps me in the church. Keeps me here. Because we don't know all the answers yet. We've never asked all the questions to know all the answers. So I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I don't feel like, and now we're just done. You know, this is just all black and white, period, exclamation point. I don't feel like that. I feel like it's all just open-ended. I want to be as loving and Christ-like as I possibly can be. And just stay really compassionate and curious for everybody else out there. Yeah. Okay, I want to read another quote and ask you about this. Elder Holland quoted Russell M. Nelson saying, with the church growing more rapidly in less prosperous countries, we must conserve sacred funds more carefully than ever before. At BYU, we must ally ourselves even more closely with the work of our Heavenly Father. And that's a little bit of a, an overview also of, I think, some of the ways that Elder Holland talked about we have to be careful about having BYU be like a runway for people to find their way out of the church or to feel like it's a place where they can be and see, I'm so nervous about saying this the wrong way, but it, I, you know, Elder Holland was basically saying like, we need to be careful about making sure that if this is our doctrine and we teach it in our church and this is a private institution, like you said, that is paid for by our church, the teachings have to align. Right. And I think a private institution can totally say that. Why can't they say that? And the people that are going there, they know what they're in for. I, I think BYU is great. It's a private institution. Pri- any private institution can set up whatever they want to set up. They totally can. And you can disagree if you want to disagree. That's fine. You can totally disagree with it. But disagreeing with that doesn't shake my testimony. It doesn't, it's not like one of my top five things. You know, BYU is true. It's not one of my top five things. Yeah. It's not, it's not one of mine either, even though I went to BYU. But here's another quote that, that I want to zero in on and I want to make sure I get the words exactly right. Cause again, I'm just nervous about <laughs> saying something the wrong way. So Elder Holland said, we have to be careful that love and empathy do not get interpreted as condoning and advocacy or 
that orthodoxy and loyalty to principle not be interpreted as unkindness or disloyalty to people. As near as I can tell, Christ never once withheld his love from anyone, but he also never once said to anyone, because I love you, you are exempt from keeping my commandments. We are tasked with trying to strike the same sensitive, demanding balance in our lives. And I sure identify with that last part, sensitive, demanding. Right, right. Because it is, I think he's saying right there, this is hard and it's hard for me too. And, you know, everyone involved. I think the problem comes when people take the first part of that quote or they take the last part of the quote out of context and not all together. Splitting it up and making these sound bites and these memes. It's like, no, read the whole thing. Read the whole thing. And at the very last one is, our lives. It's not making us judges of other people. It's making us in charge of our own lives and making sure we love and we advocate for Christ's teachings and we love. But that doesn't mean every time I see my kids, I'm like, Jesus said this about la la la. No, (laughs) right? It's like, it's like, I just show up as the most loving example I can possibly be. And then they're in charge of them and what they think about life and what they think about Jesus. I'm in charge of me and what I think about this and what I think about Jesus. We cannot control other people. We can't. We can control ourselves. So I'm going to do the my best love that I can possibly do. And for me, I'm going to do my very best at keeping Jesus' commandments. That's for me. I don't need to judge other people on that. I feel like we've had some really good discussion here about how do we love those who are LGBTQ? How do we show love to them? How are we best an ally for them. Also though, how do you, for me, I watch all of these voices that are really loud saying, this is horrible. I'm leaving. Can you believe this? This is terrible. All of the super negative things. Right. How do you defend your faith? Well, that's just it, right? You show up who you want to be. You just show up as you. I don't have to go to someone that is angry about the church and tell them they're wrong. I can just have compassion for that and say, Hey, I hear you. And I love you. And I just don't see it that way. But Melinda, I feel like, and I'm not going to go get in anybody's face. That is not me. And I always, it always blows me away when people troll and go find things that they disagree with to like leave comments. That's so not me. I'll never do that. Cause I, I feel like if that's your account and that's your Instagram account and you want to post that, you want to say that, that's your deal. And I don't need to argue with you if we don't see eye to eye. That's totally okay. At the same time, I feel like sometimes, and this is one of those times, which is why I really, really wanted to have this talk with you. I feel like there's too many people feeling like I feel where it's like, oh, don't like swear and talk about Jeffrey R. Holland by calling him Jeff and saying these like just really disrespectful things. And I feel like I want to be a person who says something that's not negative. I don't know, but it's such a scary tiptoe kind of a topic. And it's so uncool to be on the other side. It just is. But it's all, those are all just thoughts, right? Like you're saying all that to me, like you think it's a fact and everything you said is just your thoughts around it. It's just a thought, like if it's scary or if it's tiptoey or if it's, you can't speak out or those are just all thoughts. It goes back to, okay, as, as a person in the LDS church who wants to stay in the LDS church, wants to be here, who loves being a part of this community, how do I want to show up? And I don't want to show up on someone's 
be telling them they're wrong or saying, how dare you? I don't, that's not who I want to be. I might have a private talk with them. I'm not going to text them. I'm not going to DM them. I'm going to have a private one-on-one talk. But if it's just someone who's, who's kind of in the periphery of my sphere of influence, I just have compassion for them and just curiosity for that. I don't have to throw my testimony. I don't have to do that. I, I, that's not my place in their bullseye. You know, like they're in the bullseye. I'm like five rings removed. I don't have to do that. But if it's somebody that I that is in my little sphere, like my family or somebody I really care about, I will I will have a private talk with them and say, "Hey, I hear you. I get it. This is this stinks right now, and really having some issues with this and lots of trouble around it. And if you ever want to talk to me, you totally can. And just so you know, I don't see it that way. Here's how I see it. That's what I'm going to do. And I hear all of that, and I I think that. I'm not saying this the right way because I because I I agree with what you're saying that there's a much better place rather than social media or online to have these important conversations. But you're saying if you want to post something on social media that stands up for this. Yeah, that I feel like there's no one talking about how this really if you take the time to listen to it, there were some really good things that were said here, too, that within the correct context, if you actually really pay attention, you listen to it start to finish, you hear his voice when he talks about crying with those who suffer, you know, not feeling like they fit in. Right. So we don't have all the answers right now. And that's my testimony. We don't know all the things and people should come back at me, Corinne, and they come back at you. Well, they're prophets, they're apostles, they should know. I'm like, oh my gosh, then agency and faith are gone. Agency and faith are gone. Once absolute knowledge enters in, that's just how it works. And this is all for all of us. This is for every single one of us. These these questions that come up, these trying talks and disagreements. And it just, it's for us to try to become better people ourselves, not to control others and to yell at others. It's like, okay, so this happened. All right, Heavenly Father, what do I think about this? Who do I want to be? How, do I need to say anything? If I don't need to say anything, let me know. If I do need to say something and stand up, Please let me know the right things to say. If things, you know, if trolls come at me and people are negative towards me, please, you know, shield me from that or let me know that it's not a big deal. They can think what they think. You know what I'm saying? Like it all comes down to personal conviction and personal accountability and who you want to be in this process. So if you want to post something and say, hey, whoa, I don't agree with that. And I love you all. And you can think what you want to think. But here's what I think. Just know that people are going to come at you and you got to be okay with that. Gosh, it really is such a tricky topic. And even, you know, just having this conversation, I'm sure I'll hear, I'm I'm sure I'll get a lot of feedback, probably not all friendly and that's okay. But I do feel for me, I feel like the voice inside of me is saying there are people who, as much as there are people who need to hear, we are mourning with you and we stand with you. I think there are a lot of people too who feel like they can't say anything. Oh my yeah. gosh, it's it's not cool to say, but I still believe. Right. And that's where I'm at. I feel like that's part of the wrestle, right? That's part of the wrestle. Yeah. It's both, like you said in the very beginning, it's I want to be in this church and I believe it with all my heart. And the five things that you said are super similar to if I were to sit down and write the five reasons I stay, I'm sure they would be very, very similar. And yet I still, with every desire of my heart, I so want 
people who identify as LGBTQ to know that I love them. And I don't look at someone who is LGBTQ and think you are less than me or you are, or, you know, you deserve God's love less. It's a, it's such a tricky thing. Right. I think that's why they're here. Seriously. I think that's why God granted us with these awesome LGBTQ people to see what the majority of us, who don't have to go through life like that, how we respond, how we react, how we love, how we lift, what we do with it. And that serves me to think that it serves me to think that because then I can show up as a better person for all marginalized groups, right? They're here to better us and who, how we're going to show up and, and be that person that God wants us to be. I love that. I wanted to ask you, I, I feel bad that I probably should have a little bit earlier in the interview, but I would love to just know between when your first son came out and your second son came out, what do you wish you would have known the first time? And what do you tell people to prepare them for if they ever have that top, you know, if that ever happens in their house, how do you handle that? Because you said in the beginning, like, we didn't really know. We just were going off of what we knew at the time, which wasn't much. So what do you wish you would have known? Or what do you teach people? That it's not about them. It's not about you. (laughs) And you have zero control over this. The only thing you have control over is how much love you want to give this person in your life. That's the control you have. And the love that you have to give, that means you get to feel all this love. That's how love works. That's how unconditional love works. I'm the one that gets to feel that when I think loving thoughts towards my person, right? So if you can separate that out and go, oh yeah, this isn't about me. This isn't about some, you project all these dreams that you had for your kid that all of a sudden are gone. And you're just like, so now how's their life going to turn out? And you might spiral into this is going to be horrible. I would suggest not doing that at all. And instead just saying, yep, this is their life's not going to look like this now. It's going to look like this instead. And it's just as beautiful and grand and great. And God loves them just like he did before they told me this. And if you can get to there, that's where we were by our second son. It was a lot better. (laughs) It was it just felt easier. It felt more loving, more kind, like God was in it with us and not like we've been abandoned in the wilderness somehow. That's really powerful. And I know that advice is going to help someone listening to this and certainly helps me too to be prepared for that conversation if it ever happens with one of my children or multiple or whatever. I know I told you this when we saw each other last, but when Neil and I were watching This Is Us and the daughter comes out, I paused the TV. And I looked at Neil and I said, just for the record, if this ever happens to us, this is exactly how it's going to go. And he said, I couldn't agree more because the parents are just like, okay, "Okay, we love you. We're here for you. We love you. And it doesn't change at anything at all about how we feel about you. So um, Melinda, this has been so helpful for me. And I know it will be for a lot of other people who felt conflicted and and want so badly to do right by everyone by the church and by lgbtq people that they love and i think you provided so much meaningful perspective today i want to ask you if there's one message that you want the people listening to this episode to remember what do you want that one message to be just to take those first two commandments that jesus christ gave us which is love one another and love thy neighbor and love God. I mean, that's those are the commandments, right? Love the God and love the neighbor as themselves, which is love. Love is going to win. Love is covers everything. We're going to get to heaven and not be asked, did you judge all those people? 
we're going to be asked, did you love? Did you love? Who did you love? Did you love? I think love's going to be the mercy card. I really do. So on, give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Love more. Extend that hand of love to everybody you see. Every, on both sides of this equation, right? Yeah. Well, I love that. And I am going to be thinking about that a lot. I'm going to be thinking about that and about the be curious and compassionate because those are some big takeaways for me. So Melinda, where can people find you if they want to connect with you or maybe hire you as a life coach or just follow your thoughts? You bet. You can get on Melinda Welch Coaching on Instagram or you can get on my website, melindawelchcoaching.com and you can sign up if you want to talk to me for a free session or anything you'd like to talk about. This is there on my website. Awesome. We'll put that in our show notes too. So thanks again, Melinda. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Corinne. Love you. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.